Listen, you're not following religious rules. You're not following some type of philosophy. You are following the person of Jesus Christ. So daily we have to crucify our flesh and we have to say yes to Jesus and no to our flesh. This is the ongoing idea of repentance. You come as you are, God does the work. He does the cleaning. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. This week, who needs to repent and what happens if they don't? Lead Pastor Rick Nicely continues his series in the book of Luke and a message from Luke 13, 1 through 9, shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on October 7th, 2018. All right, go ahead and turn to Luke 13, Luke 13. We are going to be getting into our text today. As you know, we um, are going through the book of Luke. We'll be finishing up this spring, and um, then we'll be doing some standalone series this summer. And then next year, I already got uh, planned out as we, as we hit, um, um, or I'm sorry, spring, I'm sorry, finished out the uh, fall, sorry, winter. And then um, as we start out the new year, we're going to start in the book of Acts. So we're excited about that. So elders and I have talked about that and looking at that. And so we're excited about starting that book as well. We're going to read 1 through 9 in chapter 13. There were some present at the very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, You think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 of whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and I put manure on it. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. As you guys know, been with us, we kind of come up with this big idea. And the big idea is this today. Jesus is patient, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance and bear fruit. That's what his desire is for us, to come to repentance and bear fruit. You know, um, how prevalent are atrocities and calamities today? How, how prevalent are they? They're pretty prevalent, aren't they? I mean, uh, you can go anywhere in the world, okay? I mean, and we're talking about remote places, Okay, in the jungle, and they have these, right? They have these. I mean, it's crazy, but you can go in different parts of the world, and they don't have, a, they don't have power, uh, they don't have running water, uh, they don't have brick-and-mortar houses, but they have these. It's amazing 
that now today you can see things that you never saw 20, 30 years ago, right? That it's an instant society. So when things happen, people find out about it immediately. Now, in those days, I'm, I'm sure atrocities were happening and calamities were happening all, all throughout the world, but everything was localized, right? So Jesus was, um, grew up in this little town, the Galilean town. He was born in Bethlehem, and then he, he visited uh, uh, Jerusalem some. Really, three-quarters of the New Testament uh, of the Gospels were all written right in that little place in Galilee, okay? And so um, most people never traveled more than 20 or 30 miles their whole life. But to think about, there were even atrocities and calamities that happened in those days. And we think of some of the most prevalent today. I can think back, and maybe you can think of worse ones, but 9-11, right? Seems like a, 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 just an atrocity. Atrocity is one of these things that's caused by you know, human hands, right? And so 9-11 is one of those atrocities. It's probably going to be my lifetime hopefully the worst atrocity that I'll ever see or experience, um, that we'll see and experience, hopefully, in our country today. But that's an atrocity. And this is what we see in this first story. We see an atrocity caused by human hands. Um, what, what had happened was that uh, Galileans were kind of known, if you will. They were a rural area, small area, but they were kind of known for rebel rousers. They, they, there were a lot of people that pushed back against, just like good old country boys, right? The rural area, they, uh, and, and they pushed back against the Roman-occupied uh, uh, settlement of, of, of Roman Empire over, over Israel. They, they pushed back against it. So this idea that they, they caused issues, which somehow uh, spurred Pilate to basically make the call that he says, you need to go in and kill these, these Galileans. And they just happened to be, at the moment, they were celebrating Passover. It's the only Jewish feast that the laymen, if you will, are allowed to sacrifice. And so, obviously, we know it pictures back all the way to the, the freedom out of slavery, out of Egypt. And it was this picture of, eventually, to Jesus. And we see how they came in. Imagine a moment in the middle of worship experience here and somebody comes in and slaughters everybody. That's kind of what it basically is. That this moment where they came in and slaughtered and they literally mixed the sacrifice blood with the, the, the blood of the victims. And, and he was, they were trying to get Jesus' attention about this. But it's very clear that he, he, he is not shaken by this because he understands their motivation for, for saying this. See, one of the things that Jesus has the advantage of over us is that he could see the heart, right? And he spoke right to the heart because his answer gives back what they were really given this story about. Because he says, do you think that these Galileans were, were sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? And the answer was no. They aren't worse sinners, right? See, it's amazing to me and just as in Jesus' day, is that we fall into this comparison game, don't we? And this is what was happening. There was this perception that if bad things happen to someone or, or bad things happen to good people, right, that they must have somehow earned it, right? Jesus faced this even when he, they, they saw someone who was crippled and they said, who, who sinned, him or his family, right? 
He said, no one. This is for the glory of God. And we, we see this back in the Old Testament with Job. And they said, you must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. And see, we see this happening even in our society today. We, we have this mentality immediately when something bad happens to someone, we immediately think that they must have done something wrong. They somehow deserve it. Somehow they were worse. But the reality is humans love to compare. And, and by the way, comparison is really from an impure heart. Because what we're saying is somehow we were better than them. And this is, what, this is what they were saying to Jesus. So somehow because they suffered this terrible demise that we are better than them. Isn't it crazy how, if you've ever had discussions with people who, who don't believe in God or maybe they debate about who God is and you talk to them and you ask them, are they a good person? And immediately they go to the worst of the worst people. Well, I'm, well, I'm a good person compared to Hitler. Well, who, who is it, right? I mean, why, why do we do that? We, we, we want to compare ourselves to, to, to people that have committed these her, terrible atrocities in life. But we, we do it all the time, right? We, we compare. And even in the church, we can find ourselves comparing ourselves to other. But the reality is God is saying there isn't this level of sinners, right? We're all lost. We're all broken. We're all separated from God. No one seeks God on their own. We all have, like sheep, have fallen and gone astray. So this idea, there isn't like this level of sinners, like here's up here and here's the worst sinners, and, or maybe here down here is the worst sinners, right? They're closer to hell, if you will. They're down here, right? So they're down here and somehow better sinners are up here. That's not anything in scripture like that. If you're lost, you're lost, right? If you're broken, you're broken. If you can't fix yourself, you can't fix yourself. And this is what scripture is saying. We're, we're broken. We're all sinners, no worse than others. And then we, we do this many times to justify our own selves as somehow a good person. Or the reality is this, the standard is perfection, right? The reason the reason we can't be in God's presence, the reason we cannot enter heaven on our own is that God will not allow sin in his presence. And the reason we need Jesus is because Jesus was the perfect lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so the, perf- the standard is perfection, and we can never gain that on our own. Who do we need? We need the one who was perfect. We need Jesus. So this understanding that the standard is perfection. It's not about outdoing yourself with good to somehow outdo your bad. It's this idea of perfection, and we cannot obtain that on our own. There are also, there are also even though he's saying uh, you're, you're, you're not, this is, this is not as a result of their sin, he's also, I want to remind us, there, there are built-in judgment, judgments for our sinful behavior. Let me describe what I'm talking about. Um, if, if you abuse alcohol, you could end up with cirrhosis of the liver, right? Um, if you live an immoral lifestyle and just have sex with whoever, you could end up with a transmitted disease. If you, if you give over to criminal behavior, you could end up in a violent death. Their, their judgments, these, those judgments are not in this view here. Jesus is, was not referring to the inevitable consequences of sin, but rather to a catastrophic calamities that fall on people seemingly without discrimination. Listen, the Lord's point is 
those who perish in such atrocities and calamities are not worse sinners than those who survive, okay? So don't ever fall in that trap that somehow when people, atrocities, when calamities, atrocities are those things that happen in the, at the hand of men and, and calamities are those things, if you will, are of natural causes. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Doesn't mean that somehow they were worse sinners or because the people that survived are better people. And then verse, verse 3, it says, No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. See, what we see in Luke, the last couple of chapters, is Jesus reminding him. People are trying to get him distracted on these little side things. And Jesus keeps bringing it back to the most important thing. Uh, last week, we talked about how uh, he was kind of trying to get sidetracked on this idea of, hey, Make sure you tell my brother he gives me my inheritance. And, and he says, listen, rich here is not going to do you any good. Rich toward me is what's going to do you good, right? And then talked about the week before where we talked about this idea of falling into hypocrisy and, and somehow trying to build a ladder to be good. And he says, don't fall, in the, don't fall into the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But understand, the only way you can... You can uh, avoid that is to have a fear of me and to have a really fear of me is to understand my ways and understand I have provided a way of salvation and Jesus is that way. Don't try to build ladders of somehow religiosity. And so we see this and he says, no, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Well, what does it mean to repent? What does it mean to repent? I think it's really important for us to understand that repentance is bigger than just a head knowledge, okay? See, many of us have religious backgrounds, and so we've gotten mixed up when this idea of repentance, or maybe we've heard from secondhand people, or maybe we've seen other people who claim that they're Christians, and they've repented, and they've acted a certain way toward us, and they're like, this person is not acting like Jesus or the Jesus of the Bible. So what is repentance? Well, let me, let me explain repentance is not first. Maybe that helps. Um, uh, I've been parenting for, when Michelle and I have been parenting for about 10 years. I, we feel like we got a jump start because we, we did students for such a long time. We were sometimes surrogate parents for many. Um, I can't always recognize great parenting, but usually we can identify bad parenting really good, Right. And so I guess that makes me think of this, like, let's focus on what repentance is not. Repentance is not penance. In other words, it's not just this idea of sorrow or regret. See, I've had people in my life where they've hurt me and they're sorry in some ways for what they did, but it didn't bring about repentance in their life. In other words, they they were kind of sorry they hurt me, but they continue to live and continue to do what they were doing that continued in really ways that were hurting me and hurting God. And so um, understand when we talk about it's not just a sorrowful regret. And, and the scriptures describe it this way. Worldly sorrow brings about regret, but godly sorrow brings about repentance, which brings about uh, life. Worldly sorrow brings about regret, which brings about death. Okay. It's to, think about it this way. It's the difference between Judas and Peter, right? You have Judas 
who was sorry, he had regret, he gave back the silver coins that he had betrayed Jesus. And the Bible says he went out and he hung himself. In other words, he did not have the courage to, to ask for forgiveness. He, he did not have the wherewithal to, to bow himself before God and repent. So he did the most selfish act he could do was to go out and take his own life. Okay? It just reaffirmed what he was already living out. And then you have Peter who denied Jesus, right? They both committed sins. In some ways, they both betrayed Jesus. But Peter, his motivated him to what? Eventually repent. We see this picture of Jesus fixing Peter uh, breakfast on the beach. And we see, he says, do you love me? He says, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep, right? And just, just like he denied him three times, he got a chance to reaffirm that love and that commitment to him three times. It's a beautiful picture of restoration. And so this picture of repentance is a godly sorrow that motivates us um, to repentance. And then repentance is not penance. In other words, some of us may grow up in a faith where we, we do some type of confession to someone other than Jesus, and somehow we think that takes care of our punishment or takes care of our sin. But there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And we cannot self-inflict. We cannot withhold food. We cannot any kind of outward expression to bring about repentance. Okay? Now, I would say this, changing does not equal repentance either. But listen to this, but you can't repent without changing, okay? So in other words, it's not just the act of changing, but it's this brokenness into understanding that God has provided a way for us, that Jesus is the only way to God, Acts 4.12, that he's the only mediator, and that we, we cognitively both with our mind and with our heart, that we accept that our condition before God is a broken sinner without help, except for the way that God's provided through our son Jesus. And that when we confess that Jesus is the only way and we put faith in him and him alone for the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says that stirs in us a heart change of repentance. And really, a repentance... Is, it's really um, two parts, okay? There's really two, two words to describe repentance. One is the Old Testament word, and then the other one's a New Testament word. The, the Old Testament word is this, this idea of a change of action or change of direction. That I, I was going this way, and now I'm doing 180. I'm, a, I'm a, doing about face. I'm going and changing direction. And it's not just changing direction, but it's saying I'm going from my way to now Jesus' way. I'm going from myself to the Savior, to the person of Jesus. I'm no longer believing the way I should think. The, the, what it, the Bible says there is a way that seems good to the man. In the end, it leads to that. I'm not going to rationalize somehow that I'm going to earn my way into heaven. I'm going to somehow be good enough or that there's no God that somehow I'll take my chances. But it's literally a change of mind that I now accept the fact that what Jesus says about me, that I'm a sinner, that I have no hope apart from Jesus. And when I cognitively put my faith 
in the work and G- uh, the work and person of Jesus that through his death through his burial, and through him now rising again on the third day, he defeated death, sin, and the grave. And so those are my greatest needs because we know this world, as we learned last week, you can't take it with you, right? You're going to leave it to somebody else. But our greatest need, okay, is to be saved. Our greatest need is to be rescued, to be made whole again, the word we learned we, months and months ago is the idea of shalom, to be complete. And when God gives us now his spirit, when we confess, when we believe, when we repent, the Bible says that now we're given his spirit. Now we're made whole. Now we can reproduce other godly people. Okay? Now we can make disciples. Now we can be fruitful and multiply. So it's this idea that Repentance is both an idea of a mind change and a change of direction going from this way, my own way, or even the world's way, whatever I think is right, to saying now I agree with God and I'm going His way. I'm choosing to go His way. And so when I read something out of His Word and it goes against what I think, what do I believe? I have to choose to believe the word of God over my own heart, right? When, when I've talked to people and they say, I believe God is, you know, telling me I should move in with this person and, and, and not be married. I'm like, all right, so you, you're saying a Christian, you're, you're to move in, you're to enjoy the relationships that only a husband or wife should enjoy, but you're saying you're a believer. Okay. I'm just saying, I want you to consider the word of God, what it says, okay? Well, that person deserved to be treated like that because they were mean to me. Well, the Bible says, love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you, right? Right. Uh, Well, she's just not right for me anymore. He's just not right for me anymore. So the Bible says to love your husband, to love your wife, to respect and honor them to stay committed to them. But you, you don't understand. They're, they're, they're like a neighbor. Well, it says love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, they're like an enemy. It says love your enemies, right? Pray for those who curse you. So understand when we, when we follow Jesus, we're saying we're going all in. We trust him and his word more than we trust our own heart and our own mind, see? And so we need to understand what this means to repent. It means, listen, it's not just an event. There is a moment, I believe, just as I was born in uh, April 13th, 1968, okay? Nine pounds of 12 ounces, okay? There was a moment uh, that my, my mom experienced the birth of me. There was a moment. But then I continued to grow, right? There's a moment where you've repented You've put uh, trust in Christ. You've repented of your sins and you put faith in him and a mind and a heart working out in action, a change of direction, okay? So what happens, though, is we not only confess our sins, but we daily, the scriptures say, we put on the new self, say? So daily we have to crucify our flesh, And we have to say yes to Jesus and no to our flesh. 
This is the ongoing idea of repentance. That daily, there are people here in this room, me included, that we mess up every day and we have to repent daily. Just like we have to encourage our kids to go take showers, especially when they're in middle school, right? Go take a shower. Why? Because you're getting funky, all right? There's times in a daily basis that we have to come before God and we just say, God, forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my ugliness. Forgive me for my thoughts. Forgive me for my rudeness. Forgive me for treating that person the way I treated them. Even the people we love the most. There's a moment we repent and there's daily repentance. We have to do this because I promise you, the, less you, the more you think you got it down, I promise you, the more you think you got it down, you're actually probably going in the opposite direction of that. The more you think you've got it going on, the less you really do, okay? Because you're starting to realize that you're, you're trusting in your own self, trusting in somehow your good works. Oh, Jesus saved me, but I've got the works from now on out. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need daily repentance, God is calling us to, just as this story, to repent daily. And so the second story is this kind of this idea of Jesus flips it back around on them. He says, hey, well, I don't know if you've heard about this this other thing happened. That was atrocity, but this is a calamity. I mean, this is something, this this building of Siloam where 18 people died. Have you thought about them? Because, see, uh, those people thought they were a little bit better because uh, they were talking about Galileans, which are kind of, you know, the, the country people, and they, they felt like they were a little bit better. And he says, well, have you thought about the fact that these people are, are, are from um, Jerusalem, and, and something happened to them, too, and a building fell on them. And again, this is reinforces the Lord's point that natural calamity is not simply God's way of somehow singling out particular evil people for judgment. There's no such thing as that God saying, oh, these people need to die because they're more evil or more worse sinners than these people. Again, God's reaffirming that we must repent. He says for a second time, repent, repent. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's this idea again where Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says this, if anyone come come after me, listen, you're not following religious rules. You're not following some type of philosophy. You are following the person of Jesus Christ. Unless anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for me will find it. For what will profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? This is what... He's saying, so we're sinners. This is, this is uh, again, this battle between uh, Jerusalem and Judea, looking down on the Galileans as inferior. But this is, this is the reality. These men and women, what had happened was he was reminding them that death had snuck up on them. Death had snuck up on them. They were not prepared they were not ready. The alarm went off just like it went off every day of the week. They got up. They cleansed themselves. They sat down and had breakfast with their kids. They kissed their spouse goodbye. They took what they needed for work. They walked or 
Maybe they rode a camel. They headed down to the Tower of Shalom. And then they sat at their place of work. A vibration came. And then they were dead. They were unprepared for death. Death snuck up on them. Listen, this text and me preaching today is not somehow to scare you into heaven. (laughs) That's not the purpose of the scripture. It is to remind us that life is short. And if we're not prepared for eternity, it's bad news. The reality is we can have great life insurance. We can have a great savings account here, but that does not prepare us for heaven. That does not prepare us for eternity. Heaven is not created and was not established for those who are afraid of hell. It was not created and established for those it was, I'm sorry, it was created and established for those who love God and long to worship him. You can't get scared. You can't scare anyone into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Oh, I can drum up some emotions here today, somehow try to scare you and invite you down to pray some type of prayer and then dunk you in water, but that's not how salvation works. Death snuck up on them. They weren't ready for it. Jesus says, repent or perish likewise. He's saying these men, these women, they died unprepared. But what's intrinsic about this is this, that within this, there is a way to die prepared. So he says, in order for you to die in such a way where you're prepared, you must repent. You must repent. Listen, he gives a great story a parable, and this is how he finishes out. He says this, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in this vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I've come and seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also I'll dig up around it, put on, put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit the next year, well, good, well and good. But if it not, you can cut it down. Now, we know the picture of the fig tree many times is used um, as a, a picture of, using, of Jerusalem, right? And uh, I'm sorry, Israel, sorry. In Jeremiah 24, we know that. In Hosea uh, 9.10, Joel 1.7. And even in Matthew 21, we see where, where God, Jesus used the illustration of the fig tree to, to represent the, really the religious elite, if you will, of Israel. To let them see, again, they were not recognizing him as Savior. God had provided a Savior, and they were not recognizing They were based everything on man-made works and somehow self-righteousness to climb ladders for positions and title and power. And this is not the gospel. This is not what Jesus came proclaiming. In fact, we see in Romans 11 where it says the natural branches are cut off, but the wild branches are grafted in. And even in that, he says, don't be conceited in that to understand this is God's grace and his mercy in that. In fact, I want you to understand in um, 2 Peter 3 says this, 8 through 10, it says, 
But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. Some count slowness, but it is, pa- but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should repent, uh, perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavens, heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Listen, just as if you look back in chapter 12, the end of chapter 12, he talks about the end time is coming fast. No one knows the hour. It's going to sneak up on us. Death can sneak up on us. I beg you, as a pastor, as your shepherd, be prepared. Repent in your heart. Put faith in Jesus. Be born again. This is what God is saying to us. See, the purpose, God's purpose for you is to produce fruit. It's not just confess your sins. It's not just to believe in your heart. It's not just about about faith, but with repentance comes fruit. It becomes a new birth. You know, um, I've got probably, I don't know, 80 oak trees in my yard. And you know what's happening, right? It's like pump, 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 pump on my truck, my tin roof. There's a bunch I picked up today, right? A bunch of acorns. I think this is a pin oak, which deer really like. It'd be great if I could just shoot them from my porch. That'd be great. But it don't always work out like that. Um, but you know what? I don't have to go out there and make that oak tree produce fruit. I said, like, come on, come on. You're big. Let's go. Come on. Let's drop them. Let's go. It just drops them, right? It produces fruit. It's an oak tree right? The Bible says if you're born again, you produce fruit. Let me, let me read. Let's remind us what the fruit of the Spirit is. In Galatians uh, 5, it says this. Galatians 5, this is the fruit. Now listen, some of us get mixed up. I know I'm running out of time. Hang with me. A lot of us get this mixed up. We say fruits of the Spirit. I want you to look at the text. Does it say fruits or does it say the fruit of the Spirit. Come on. What does it say? It says fruit, right? It says fruit. So I know a lot of us want to say, well, you know, that, that love, I'm just not strong in that fruit. I can't. I, can't, I just I struggle with that one. Well, you know, that joy one, I, I, I struggle. All right. That, that peace one, I mean, it's, it's a big struggle. A patience, kindness, that goodness, a faithfulness, that gentle self, that self-control, it's I'm just not good. I'm, you know, I'm bent toward on not being self-controlled. You know, it's just my bent. You know, I can't help it. Okay. Now, again, uh, I want you to remind you that there are seasons. There, there's sometimes, this, I think this year is going to be a really good bumper crop of acorns. There, there's sometimes where these things come down early and they pile up all year long. In fact, it will be like marbles outside my porch. I will probably trip and fall before it's over with because there's so many acorns. Okay. That many fallen. And there's other seasons where it's a little bit more bare. They just don't fall as much. But the reality is they always produce. Okay? Because if it's not producing, you know what I'm looking up? I'm looking at the top of that tree because most likely it's beginning to begin diseased, set in, and the leaves are starting to fall off the top. And there's four or five 
branches up there that have nothing, that means something's happened. And that tree's beginning to die. I've had a few trees, big trees in my yard fall because they were dead on the inside even though they looked alive. Okay. And so, but the reality is they produce fruit. So it, I, I want to remind us, love is, is a fruit. It says, love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It hopes, perseveres. Love never fails. Now listen, we're not, Jesus is not saying you have to be perfect. That's why he died. Okay? But what he's saying is we should be in an increasing manner producing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control. Against such there is no law. Listen to this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desire. There's that repentance part, right? We've repented of our sins. We daily, if you go back to uh, uh, Galatians 2, we daily crucify ourselves. We daily repent. Why? So we can put on the spirit, the new self, so we can walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, it's so important. We've got to close out. Is this part where, where the vine dresser, by the way, in this story, the vine dresser and the one who's coming for the fruit, okay, is they're both God. So let's, let's read back that again and then I'm going to finish out. It says this. So this is the parable of the man who, who planted, tree planted in his vineyard. So he owned the vineyard, right? He's a vineyard owner. He owns everything. God is sovereign. He's overall. He owns all. We are taking up his oxygen. We are taking up his planet. We are taking up his space here on earth. He owns it all. Okay? He's sovereign overall. But then it goes on to say, and he says, I've been coming for three years now. Why should it take up any more? Now listen, the vine dresser says, sir, you should let it alone for one more year until I can dig around it and put some manure up. Do you, do you realize that Jesus is patient with us? Do you, do you understand? There are times where we're just acting a fool. And Jesus is so patient with us. He's digging around our roots. He's, you might feel like you've had manure put on you. Maybe you've, you have, okay? And maybe there's a reason. Because God is trying to stir your heart. God is trying to stir your heart. See, when, people, when God stirs and he does this work around the roots and put manure on, he sends people your way. He sends things in your life to try to get your attention. To say, wake up. You're putting this off. You may be putting it off too, too late. You may be like these guys that death snuck up on you. Don't mess around. See, some of you guys are thinking, well, if I could just get this settled, then, I, then, I'll, then I'll, I'll, I remember in high school. I remember it like the other day. I'll just get this status and then I'll turn to Jesus. Or I'll get this and then, then when God started working, well, I'll get this fixed first and then I'll, no. You come as you are. 
God does the work. He does the cleaning. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Lead pastor Rick Nicely will conclude his sermon with the big question coming up. Spotswood at Ladysmith exists to glorify God by advancing His kingdom through obedience to His Great Commission. To know more, to find resources, and to interact with us, please visit our website, spotswoodls.org, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, SpotswoodLS. Now here's Rick with the conclusion to this week's sermon. I'm going to ask you this big question this morning. Are you bearing fruit? Because that's the test. It's not that I prayed a prayer. It's not that I walked an aisle. It's not that even I got dunked. The test is, where's the fruit? Remember the old Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? Where's the fruit? Now again, not talking about perfection. Jesus died for you. He is your righteousness. Okay? He is your salvation. But when you're born again, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There are signs of fruit in your life. Do not leave this place as these people allow death to sneak up on them without knowing the Savior of your soul, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this time. God, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you. God, they may have been in church since they were a little kid. They may be here just in the last several months or a few weeks or maybe the first time today. God, would you move? This is not a scare tactic. This is not some type of motivational thing. This is your word. And the word of God says clearly, unless we will repent, we will likewise perish. God, I've I've tried to explain as clear as I can. God, if there's someone here that needs you today, would they come down? And God, we will be able to share with them what scripture says means to be born again. And there's anyone just needs prayer, needs support. We want to encourage them today. God, we're not going to look down on anyone. If they come down here and bend on their knees, and they, God, we're going to rejoice if people come forward. Why? Because you're working. No one wants to come down in the middle of in front of a service today. Our pride doesn't. Our flesh doesn't. So, Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Would you change hearts and lives forever? In Jesus' name. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. This weekly, Pastor Rick Nicely taught from Luke 13, 1 through 9 in his series from the book of Luke, shared with the congregation at Spotswood at Ladysmith on October 7, 2018. These podcasts are available weekly on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to spotswoodls.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.